This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's been an absolutely crazy day today, Craig, over the last 24 hours. We've had rate decisions from the Federal Reserve, Swiss National Bank, Turkey, and of course the Bank of England today, which has raised interest rates by 50 basis points to two and a quarter. It's the highest level for 14 years. But more interestingly, perhaps they've warned that the UK may already be in recession. And first question, I suppose, I was wondering, is that the reason they didn't go for 75 basis points? Because they're worried about taking more money out of the economy rather than less. Potentially. Uh, they were in a difficult position, I think, the Bank of England today. It's kind of unique, the situation with the UK right now, because we've had this political uncertainty over the course of the last couple of months, this kind of political stagnation, and now we've got a new government with new ideas and a mini-budget tomorrow. The Bank of England find itself in a difficult position. It had these economic projections back in August, which are now worthless because we know we've got the energy bill cap and we've got a whole load of new policies now being announced tomorrow, being dripped through the course of this week. And how does the Bank of England take that and interpret it as far as its own projections and its own interest rate decisions go? So I think there's two reasons why we've seen a 50 basis point today. One is, as you say, they think they're going to see a recession because they think we're going to see minus 0.1% growth in the third quarter. And two is the fact that they have this policy uncertainty which doesn't really enable them to make a thorough, well-thought-out decision. So maybe they're going to hold off to the next meeting, at which point they can make that decision and maybe ramp up to 75 basis points. I would also stress the idea of a recession because this R word is thrown about a lot and really it's almost like you can't distinguish between two consecutive quarters of minus 0.1% and recession like 2008. Two consecutive quarters of minus 0.1% most people won't recognise, won't notice and you are technically in a recession. I think the far more concerning thing would be what if this is the start of a more prolonged, deeper recession because uh, the kind of cost of living crisis does start to heavily weigh on the UK. That is a risk, obviously, for next year, not just for the UK, but also for other countries around the world. And I think that's what we should be more focused on rather than these two potential consecutive quarters of minus 0.1% growth, which will undoubtedly make the headlines tomorrow. There's no doubt that had they not made that decision as we'll hear more about it tomorrow uh, to help domestic and business customers with uh, energy bills we would have gone into a deep recession here in the UK surely oh undoubtedly and the Bank of England even alluded to that in the monetary policy report in August they said we'd see five consecutive quarters of contraction two consecutive years of negative growth and inflation peaking at 13.3%. And even in the weeks following that, because of the movements that we saw in gas prices, others were forecasting inflation rising to 15%, and some were suggesting more than 20%. So it was looking really quite severe without that intervention. Now, the Bank of England, while not releasing economic forecasts, it did say that it now thinks inflation will peak just below 11% in October and remain in double digits for the next few months after that before starting to drop early next year. But of course, as we've seen so much, these forecasts are subject to significant revision because of the massive changes that we do see in energy markets alone. Okay, let's cross the Atlantic. And uh, overnight, we saw the Federal Reserve go one step further, a 75 basis points increase but that was what was expected wasn't it it was what was expected there was a 
an outside chance of 100 basis points, but I think the Fed took maybe the sensible option here. Three consecutive 75 basis point rate hikes in a row is quite significant and there's now room for one more. I can't help but feel like the net effect would have been the same if they did 100 basis points now, then it would kind of come out in the wash over the course of the next couple of meetings. But I think it's done so now, left it at 75 basis points for now to give it a little bit of room to manoeuvre. Like we have seen aggressive very aggressive tightening so far this year. And while we've not seen sustainable signs of inflation falling, this does take time to filter through to the system. Uh, and therefore, we're only going to start to see the effects of the rate hikes towards the back end of the year, really. And we have seen inflation starting to dip. Yes, the most recent inflation number uh, did reverse part of that. But we may have now seen the peak. And I think the inflation data that we saw in July was a big improvement. So it's just kind of a bit of a corrective uh, move that we saw uh, in the August number. And we saw a very good jobs report as well. So I think the Fed's probably seen the combination of the last two jobs reports and the last two inflation reports and gone, do you know what? There's some good, there's a little bit of bad, but that can afford us the ability to do 75 basis points now. Had both inflation reports been bad then i think they would have gone with 100 today but i think that one good inflation report and good jobs report gave them that little bit of flexibility in order to maintain the pace that they have been tightening up for the last few meetings uh, and also give them the kind of room to maneuver ahead to the next meeting because ultimately it's really important here that the Fed doesn't go too far because it does take time for these to filter through to the system and actually have an effect. What it doesn't want to do is correct a policy mistake earlier in the year by moving too slowly with a policy mistake later in the year by moving too aggressively and tipping the economy into a deep recession that is unnecessary. So this is the, the fine line that has to walk right now and everyone loves to criticise central banks, everyone loves to talk about mistakes they make in hindsight but in the reality of the situation is their job is extraordinarily difficult right now because so much of what's driving inflation is external and is being driven by the aftermath of the pandemic and the war in Ukraine which is completely out of the control of these central banks and what they're dealing with and what they're trying to deal with is the second man effects of uh, of what has happened there. But they are receiving heavy criticism uh, now as a result of their policy mistakes which they've made through the course of the year. So what it doesn't want to do is be here in six months time and being blamed for a deep recession because it raised interest rates too far. And that's like I say, that, that's the fine line that they're being forced to walk at the moment. And totally counterintuitively, Craig, you mentioned 100 basis points just now. With Turkey, they've gone the other way. 100 basis points decrease and nobody quite understands with 80% inflation why this is happening. Can you find any rhyme or reason behind these decisions from the Turkish Central Bank or indeed the Turkish government? So I can tell you why it's happening. I can't tell you what the logical reason why it's happening. It's happening because President Erdogan believes that lower interest rates reduce inflation and higher interest rates stoke inflation. He's believed that very publicly for a very long time. What he hasn't managed to do is find a governor who will follow through on those beliefs. Up until now, over recent years, there's been governors who have run the central bank in a manner where they've been reluctant to raise interest rates and maybe move too slowly, sometimes cutting rates and being very much punished in the currency markets before reversing course and re raising interest rates quite aggressive later in order to try and reduce the damage uh, of their previous policy mistakes before getting sacked. Now he's found a governor who either agrees with him in, in his unconventional approach or is willing to be a puppet for him. So now we are seeing we saw numerous rate cuts towards the back end of last year and then inflation started to soar 
Then over the course of this year, they've been undergoing a review and they've been blaming all sorts of external factors for their inflation, never really pointing the finger towards themselves. And now they've started cutting rates so at two consecutive meetings. Now we've seen 100 basis point rate cuts down from 14%, then 13%, and today uh, to 12%. Well, the Lira's now hit a record low uh, against the US dollar. Inflation is above 80%. The current account is not improved. And really, the, there is no evidence whatsoever that their unconventional policy approach, at the worst possible time, by the way, when other central banks are raising rates very, very aggressively and inflation around the world is high and energy prices are high, etc., there is no evidence that they're unconventional policy approach is working and yet they are persevering um it is a quite staggering experiment and one which i'm sure we'll look back on in future with absolute amazement that as central banks around the world were desperately trying to raise rates to get control of inflation the central bank of turkey was doing the complete opposite much to the detriment ultimately of its economy and the people who exist within that country yes we have to think of them but it's fascinating for economists, isn't it, and for students of economics to watch, you called it an experiment, this experiment happening as we speak. You could say, we won't dwell on it too much, that uh, Elizabeth Truss, the uh, new British Prime Minister, is sort of doing that as well in this country by cutting taxes despite inflation. Uh, I've already mentioned the amount of money going into uh, help people with fuel bills and help businesses there and there's talk of a stamp duty cut cut in uh, corporation tax and so on but uh, obviously it's not like turkey but uh, it is a gamble what liz truss is doing yeah and i think we are seeing extraordinary measures being adopted in many different countries I think policymakers, both at central banks and within government, are struggling to deal with the situation where they want to stimulate their economy and protect their economy, but they're unable to. You think back to 2008, and the response was actually, we need to tighten uh, our belts, and even though the economy is suffering, we're going to leave it to central banks to kind of support the economy through these troubled times, and we're going to tighten the purse strings in order to try and uh, sort out our fiscal problems. And that was, uh, at the time, that was heavily criticised as being the wrong approach, because during a downturn, you typically stimulate the economy. But at the time, there was no inflation, so they would have had the ability to do so. Now we're seeing a downturn, and the question is, should you be trying to stimulate the economy if you're then going to generate further inflation? And time will tell uh, how successful these policy uh, measures are going to be. Like I said, when you're faced with stagflation, it, it is a very difficult thing. And I think most people are of the belief right now that uh, very stimulative measures and cutting uh, taxes right now on a broad basis is uh, is a very risky approach and could lead to much higher interest rates further down the road. But they could be more targeted measures which could uh, support people in the right places, um, which could be less inflationary. Like I say, time will tell uh, how successful it's going to be, but policymakers all around the world right now are having to do extraordinary things in order to try and deal with the consequences of, as I've already said, the aftermath of the pandemic and uh, the war in Ukraine. Yeah, and interesting to see what the Japanese are doing at the moment. Tokyo's intervened to prop up its uh, ailing currency following months of decline since uh, the Japanese yen strengthened against the US dollar today. It's been a long, long time, has it not, since the Japanese government made a, such a decision and it said it would buy yen and sell dollars in a bid to shore up its currency. 
It's been 24 years. 1998 was the last time they intervened in the markets. And interestingly, the currency was actually trading around the current levels. It's trading very slightly weaker. Um, so it kind of peaked just below 146 today. And it was around 147, 148 back in 1998 when it intervened in the markets. And it did a rate check a week ago around 145. Now, it's been really keen to stress the Ministry of Finance or officials from within a government that... They're not focused on levels. They're not looking to defend a particular level. And I think this may be a bit of a nod to what the SMB was doing all those years ago when it was defending 120 against the euro relentlessly and the market would push back and push back and push back. I think that's what they're trying to avoid. But then it kind of feels like the line in the sand has unofficially been drawn around 145 um, before they start to get itchy and they start to look to intervene in the markets. That may not prove to be the case if we see the currency trade around those levels again, but like I say, one rate check and two interventions would suggest that there is something there. They're suggesting it's more about the volatility in the markets that they're concerned about. Like I say, time will tell whether that turns out to be the case and how many more interventions are going to come. But they intervened very aggressively overnight. The Japanese yen went from around 146 against the dollar back to a low on the day just above 140 i mean that's a really dramatic uh, decline uh, that we saw there even at this point the yen is around is just shy of two percent lower against the dollar a, an almost four percent decline in a currency pair um in a very short period of time is extremely unusual uh, which just goes to show the strength of the move that we did see from the ministry of finance via the bank of japan in that fx market intervention okay craig thanks very much for joining us today we'll speak to you again soon thank you This is the Oanda Podcast.